Hello and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm going to be your host, Jordana Osman, here with my friend Chavruta and Gordon. Our daf today, Masachet Sochah, daf Gimel, page three. Well, one of the things I'm finding interesting about this daf, and actually I'm going to start at the bottom of yesterday's daf, is that often when we have some of these Masachot, I feel like, Anne, it takes you and I a while, or we sort of need to see the Masachet a little bit unfold to get an understanding of sort of the philosophical approach of the Masachet, right? Like, what did a Reuven really mean? Or what's the purpose actually of Nazir? But here we really have from the beginning uh, sort of some understanding about what exactly exactly is happening in Sota. And we start with the statement of uh, Reish Lakish. We've been talking about the kinui, the warning that the husband can give. I'm a Reish Lakish. Reish Lakish says, Malashon kinui. What's the language of kinui? Davar hametil kin'ah beina levein acherin. Right. So it means it's something that causes anger between her and her others. Alma kasavar kinui alpi atzmo, vikule alma lo yadi dekani la. Right. So the Gemara basically comments on this statement of Rach Lakish that he holds a, that a warning, right, is, 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 a fe- is becomes effective based on the husband's own testimony. And everybody else won't know that her husband gave a warning, right? But Amri, and what will everybody say? My right? What is this that's happening before us that she separates herself from us and they will come to act in anger with her? So it, it's a little bit complicated what the Gemara is saying here, but essentially they're sort of like, I, I think what Rachel Lucky is basically saying is Kinoi means anger, but there's multiple levels of anger here, right? There's essentially, we would think that the anger would be what? It would be the anger that a husband has towards the wife. But instead, what the Gemara is basically saying, based on this statement of, of Reish Lakish, right, is that essentially, you know, if the husband warns her, right, but everybody else doesn't know that she was warned, and then she acts in this way where she's sort of separating herself from everybody, they're all going to be angry at her. In other words, they're going to recognize that she's acting a little bit unusually and it causes society to be angry at her. And I think some of what Rachel Lucky's is saying here is that when a home breaks down, right, when a marriage breaks down so badly, it doesn't actually only affect the husband and wife and the two participants in that marriage, but it actually affects society as a whole. It has this ripple effect over the entire community. And I appreciate it that we sort of got to the, you know, we got to what, what's really happening here uh, very, very early on in the Masachet. We didn't have to wait Dapim uh, to understand this. The Gemara continues and says, Rav Yema Bar, Rav Shelmia, Mashmeida Baye, Mars, Rav Yema Bar, Rav Shelmia says the name of Abaye, Dabar Hametil Kina Beino Leveina. Right, the the kinui, the anger is a matter that causes anger between him and her, between husband and wife. Right, he holds okay that a warning is effective based on the testimony of two witnesses. And then everyone knows that he did issue a warning to her. Right, so it's not that the ang- the warning causes anger between her and others; it's rather that the warning, which is what said takes the more, I think, the way we would understand it, which is the anger cause is, is caused between the husband and the wife. 
right? And the husband is the one who became become angry at her. Um, and so that's what the does But the thing here that's very important is both Rish Lakish and Rav Yemar basically say that one is prohibited from doing this warning. Now, this seems to be very, very interesting. On the one hand, we have this whole thing that we're saying we have, I wouldn't call, Sota isn't something that we necessarily call a mitzvah. The scenario of Sota, the husband, you know, gives this kinoi, he has to have this Sota to happen. And yet the as that both Rish Lakish and Rav Yemar, once they describe who the anger is between, whether it's between her and the community or between the husband and the wife, actually, it's not something that you should do because causing any type of anger is not a good thing to have happened. And so the whole act of Kinui itself is really a very, very negative one. And so then the Gemara says, Uman to Amar Mutar So the Gemara says, okay. So according to the one who says that you are allowed to issue this warning, right, then what is the term kinoi mean? Right, and so Rav Nachman says the word kinoi actually means warning, which is exactly what we called it. So they quote a pasuk from uh, Yoel, uh, chapter two, verse 18, where it says Hashem warned, right, concerning his... Uh, concerning his land. And this has to do with a very, very famous uh, chapter, which talks about locusts that are going to come and destroy uh, Eretz Israel. And then it goes on. And then finally, they bring a, uh, a brysa uh, that talks about Tanya. Hi, Rabbi Meir, Meir, Rabbi Meir taught in a brysa. Adam over Avera, Vaseder HaGadosh Baruch Hu Machriza That if somebody commits a transgression in, price, in, in private, Hashem will sort of you know, in public, will declare it publicly that he did a sin. And again, I think part of why this price is brought here is because the act of suspicion, right, or the idea of suspicion between a husband and wife, and then maybe the act of adultery, these are all private things that are done. But the idea is, is that eventually this will become actually public. And so he quotes here a pasuk from Bamidbar, chapter 5, verse 14, right, the spirit of jealousy uh, came upon her, which again is a direct quote from our psukim of Sota. Right, and there's no the idea of Avira means a a, a proclamation. Right, and this is from Shmot chapter thirty six verse six. Moshe gave the commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed right uh, throughout the entire camp. And so the idea here. Of you're saying is by quoting this pasuk from Sota, we think this is a private matter between a husband and wife. It actually is a private matter that involves God and that God eventually will make this matter, if there is actually sin, actually become public. Um, and then finally, it concludes again with another uh, drasha, another interpretation based on our psukim from Sota. Rish Lakish Amar again with Rish Lakish, right? That a person, um, uh, when he commits a sin, it's only if, 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 like if, uh, how would you explain shtut well, Anne? Like, uh, English, it's like folly or, or, um, nonsense. You know, yeah, silliness. Nonsense. Silliness, yes. But I, silliness, right? Like if, you know, enters him because it says, and here they quote a pasuk shenemar, ish ish ki tis te ish to, right? Which means if a man goes 
aside, uh, you know, uh, aside of his wife. There, the word is written with a with a uh, right, right, tista. But Reish Lakish is reading it as tishta, right, and and that gives it a word with the word shtut. So we basically, you know, start right off the bat in this masachat with a series of passages trying to understand what exactly is going on in Sota. I think it's very clear that there is multiple breakdowns of a variety of um, uh, relationships, the relationship between the husband and wife, her relationship, according to Rachel Lucky, with the rest of the community, the relationship with God, and that's something that's private, eventually will become public. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's also interesting to see that there is an opinion here right, that you're not even allowed to warn her. This really isn't an idealized path. This is not something that we want to really happen between a husband and wife. Um, it doesn't give a good explanation. Okay, so then how would so to take place at all if you say that he should never warn her? Um, but uh, the idea here is, uh, you know, I, I think when we read Sota, some people find the whole idea of it actually, especially modern, you know, us modern learners, to be very, very offensive. I'm already starting to see that I think in a way, I think this tries to protect the woman from like false accusations from her husband, right? The idea that like, she's not allowed to just be warned just to be warned. And um, there's something that it's symbolic. If Sota were to happen, it actually shows that there's a breakdown in something in society. It's not necessarily just about the couple themselves. So I've been thinking about this as well, right? Like this idea that, so on the one hand, we've got this technicality, right? You can't start accusing a woman of being a Sota. Like if you give her a warning before she's done anything to get the warning that allows you to accuse her of being a Sota, like you might be making trouble, but there's no such thing as a Sota status taking hold because she hasn't done anything yet to be warned about, right? It's a very, like, a little bit of a Mobius strip kind of circular kind of thing. But on the other hand, I feel like, you know, we've seen a lot of technicalities about marriage and divorce without even getting to the Masechtot yet about marriage and divorce, but we've seen it, Yavamot and Ketubot and so on, right? And and we didn't have much comment on relationship. At least this is my recall, right? Like, the, the technicalities were about, we... we we found relationship discussion in there, right? Like what happens if somebody doesn't want Yibum from the the brother's husband, like the, the brother of the husband, right? Like all of these things are present. But here I feel like this is where finally, I don't know if it's finally, Chazal are actually giving like relationship commentary. I'm not sure yet if we are getting advice. But it's certainly commentary on, like, what does it mean for the dynamic to happen between people in such a way that it's not all, you know, sweetness and light? Or what if it is, you know? And and what's the, obviously, there's a preferred way to handle yourself. But this is not, I think you hit it exactly right. This is not prescribed in the same kinds of ways as, let's say, all of the cases of Yibum. And there were so many. It was very, very um defined and here with a little bit of you know human decision making but mostly defined and here this seems to be much more advice uh how to go, what halachas do you need to know if this is the path you're going to take yeah I, I think that's a that's a nice way to explain i just want to point out one more thing what follows then is a rather lengthy discussion 
uh, between uh, Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Akiva over a series of three areas of halacha, starting with sota, of whether there are reshuts or a chova, that according to Rabbi Shmuel, it's a reshut, Akiva, it's a chova. And basically, it's all based on a very extensive halachic exegesis. And they go through the psukim in each of the variety, in each three of those halachic categories to see how each of them get, you know, how does Rabbi Akiva get to it that it's a chova? How does Rabbi Shmuel get to it that it's a reshut? Um, and they do that typical back and forth where they say, okay, well, Rabbi Shmuel interprets it this way. What does Rabbi Akiva do with that word? All conclude with the same, uh, it always gets left with, with what does Rabbi Shmuel do with Rabbi Akiva with this word? And they all end with the, right, the Tana Debei Rabbi Yishmael, right, that we uh, we learned in the school, Yishmael, kol parsha shenamra benishneit, lo nishneit, ela bishvil davar shenit chadeshba, right, which means every passage in the Torah that was stated or repeated was repeated only for uh, the the halacha, right, the, that was introduced in it, but not necessarily to teach us something new also. Um, and, um and uh, it doesn't teach us something additional, basically. It's there just to teach us what it's there to t- teach us. So I think this also, we've talked a lot about the differences between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Shmuel. This is a great passage that explains it, right? Rabbi Akiva takes every single word and he finds a new halacha based on it. Whereas Rabbi Shmuel says, nope, not everything means something, right? Like sometimes it's just there because that's just the way the Torah wrote it. Um, and uh, we see this, This to me, this would be like sort of a classic passage showing the differences between Rabbi Ishmael and Rabbi Akiva. And like our commentaries, you know, later, our Rishonim and so on, I feel like this is the kind of thing that if we wanted to take this kind of divide, we just would be taken to task, right? We don't get to make that kind of sweeping generalization about everything, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I I hear what you're saying about that. Like, yeah. it's a generational privilege to be able to say, here is a general sweeping rule about how the Torah works as compared to, I don't know, as compared to we understand that each of them takes this different approach and we can find both of the different approaches within, right? It's, it's a really, I don't know, I, I'm finding it, you know, to put ourselves back in their shoes to be that, like, they're consistent in their own approaches, and they're not I really... I think that's exactly the point, is that there actually was a lot of thought, and there were rules. Like, it's almost in a way mathematical, right? Like, you have your theorem. It's a principle. You can't just make things up the way you want to. I mean, Rabbi Akiva, definitely in the school of Rabbi Yishmael, right? And we know right. we talked about the Yud Gimel Midot. You know, there were very strict rules to interpretation. That is the Chiddush of Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva is much more creative about, and here he comes as this outsider, that, you know, the, the, the poor shepherd. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's fair. Um, okay, I'm going to go on. So what happens is that Rav Chisa is now going to talk about sexual impropriety, meaning all of the things that might underlie the potential of faithlessness to begin with in this marriage, so Rav Chista says that znuta, licentiousness, right, licentious behavior, baveta, at home, is going to damage. Like what? Like the same way that a worm causes damage in sesame. So I, in my squeamish, don't want to really think about worms in the sesame, but I think that we can understand that there's like this, you know, it, this gnawing away from the inside, 
that you that your status, your relationship there to begin with, the home is not going to sustain licentious behavior that's kind of knocking it or rotting it from within, eating at it from within. So Rav Christi goes on and says, anger in the home causes damage like this in the sesame, meaning he's got a list here and they're not, it's like, let's note that these traits can really destroy a family or a couple from within. And this, I think, is just classic because the Gemara itself says this and this, meaning both the licentious behavior and the anger that can destroy a home, are will do so when we're talking about the woman of the house. But if we're talking about the man, the man, like, it, it's not recommended. Don't act in a licentious way. Don't bring anger home, right? However, it doesn't have the same negative consequence or the same negative impact on the family as compared to the woman's role. And I feel like on the one hand, this is totally unfair, double standard, everything like that. And on the other hand, I think there's probably something to it that that the fact that we live with this double standard also can make a difference that, you know, it, it, I don't know. I'm not saying it's a good, I'm not saying it's good that we have this double standard. I think that anger coming from a man can also destroy a family. But, um, but I'm appreciative of the fact that the Gemara has this very modern sounding take on, you know, on something that we know to begin with, that some behaviors are viewed more negatively and having a greater negative impact when it comes from the woman than from the man. More from Rav Chista. Rav Chista says that back before the Jewish people sinned, meaning this is uh, presumably talking about Echeta Egel, right? It says the Shekhinah, that God's presence rested, dwelled with each and every person. And how does he know this? The, The verse in Devarim in Deuteronomy says that the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp. Meaning he's there with each and every person. At the time that they sinned, or since the time that they sinned, um, the Shekhinah departed, was removed from the people. We have another verse in Devarim. The same, it's the same verse, in fact. The verse continues to say that there's he's not going to see anything that's ervat davar. So Erva means nakedness, but in this case, it means something that's like not appropriate or in, unseemly, right? It's the kind of thing that God is not going to be so in your midst that these things that you do that are so wrong, these sins that you do that are so wrong, um, he's not even going to see it lest he comes to turn away from you even more, right? And of course, like that's already a drasha. The point is that God Shrina is not with us in this way. Amr of Shmuel Barnachmani, Amr of Yonatan. Now, keep in mind, Rashul Barnachmani is a name that we often see in the context of Agartha. So Rashul Barnachmani says, or Yonatan says, that anybody who does a mitzvah in this world, the mitzvah kind of heralds his arrival in the world to come. It says your your righteousness will go before you. That's a verse in Isaiah, Yeshayahu fifty-eight. Anybody who does a sin in this word, a violation of of a mitzvah or halacha in this world, melapato v'olechet lefanav liyom hadin shneamar 
yilafto the verse in Eov says that the paths of their way, meaning the people who have sinned, right, will um, they go up in, in waste, they're lost. Um, and the idea here is it uses the same this this same word of the way that the sin can like cloak a person and hide a person so that they're lost. Um, that that same word is used in that verse in Eov. The hate, the sin has chained him like a dog. What does it mean it's chained him like a dog? Um, this is the verse from Eshet Potiphar. From the Mrs. This is right. Joseph, Yosef um, is, um, the attempt is to seduce him, right? By the wife of Potiphar. And he said, and the Torah says that he did not listen to her he did not lie with her. He was not with her, meaning in any kind of sexual impropriety kind of way, although she clearly was aiming for that. The Gemara says he did not lie with her in this world. He was not with her, not even in the world. The implication is that the transgression would have followed him into the world to come in a way that would be, um, well, it's exactly right this idea that how you behave in this world is going to have impact on your supernatural or metaphysical future um and again whether you're doing sin or righteous acts either one is going to be the way the the reward or punishment as you go forward um as i said i find this to be the commentary without the halacha right this is a ganata it's it's explication of text and it's very much a comment on, you know, yo, people go live good lives because it's not just for the now, it's also for the future. And, you know, going back to the beginning of the passage where I began, right, anger in the home or licentiousness at the home, meaning how you behave is going, it's not just a relation here in terms of alam haba, the world to come in some kind of metaphysical plane, but also how people behave can really have real, you know, pardon me, really, really, really have real impact on their home life in a way that is not what they want. Well, I'm already enjoying this Masechet because it's really much more philosophical than I think anything we've seen before. Uh, and just a lot of agatata already at the beginning. Well, that's our DAF discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenue Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAF on our Talking Talmud Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.